Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to 6, P.E.B. Now I'm talking to all of you. Keep on praying to God and keep on asking him to help you. Keep your minds properly awake while you pray. Don't give up easily. And also thank God for the good things he does for you and for us too. Ask God to make a way for us to tell more people about Jesus Christ. We want to clearly tell them about the message, about God's plan to use. So they put me in jail. But I still have more people to tell about Jesus. So I want you to ask God to help me make this message clear to them. And to you, whenever you are with people that don't believe in Jesus, if you can tell them about him, you have to do it. Be sensible in how you live with those people and talk to them in a good way to get them interested in your message and be ready to answer their questions. Evening, everyone. Uh, I grew up in a a church ministry family, uh, so my dad was a minister as well. Uh, and it meant that sometimes for dinner we'd have over random people that I didn't know that well. And I can remember one day when I was maybe 11, uh, a man who was passing through town joined us for dinner. And my dad explained to me that this man was an evangelist. An evangelist. I think that's my earliest memory of hearing that word, that title, an evangelist. And so because this was my first time meeting an evangelist, whatever he did was going to then let me know this is what an evangelist does. And so that evening I found out that an evangelist was someone who, one, was uncomfortably intense, (laughs) two, who told my older sister she wasn't really a Christian, three, who made her cry, and then four, who continued on out of town. I have since come to learn that literally to be an evangelist means to be someone who shares good news. That's an evangelist, someone who shares good news. But bad impressions can really linger, right? I'm sure a number of you can also remember witnessing clumsy, unhelpful, or even hurtful attempts to share Jesus with people. Maybe, like me, you can cringingly remember some of your own really clumsy attempts. Sharing the good news about Jesus can just feel like such a risky thing to do. But we are here because we need to know Jesus. And we live in a world where so many other people desperately need to know Jesus too. Just like, just like me, just like you, they also need to know his joy, his peace, his hope, his forgiveness. And so just like we once needed it, they need people to share Jesus with them too. This year as a church, we want to be bold as we seek to share Jesus with the people that God has placed in our lives. But being bold isn't just a mindset. We had to make it more complicated than that. This year at St. Matt's, it's also for us an acronym to help us develop habits that help us share Jesus. So last week... Ron took us through B. Be curious. Remember, hands up. I'm curious. I have a question. Be curious about seeing people as interesting. 
and being invested in their lives. And this week we come to O, opening up about faith. It's wonderful and powerful to be curious about the people around us, but ultimately people need to know Jesus. And so we want to be able to open up and bring Jesus into the relationship in some way. Today we're looking for guidance on this from God's word in Paul's letter to the Colossians. We're going to think about how we can open up about faith in a way that is more helpful than hurtful. So I'm going to pray. We're going to get into Colossians. God, we pray that you would open us up right now to hear what you have to say to us. We pray that you'd ease our fears and you remind us that Jesus is definitely worth trusting even when it comes to opening up about our faith. Amen. All right, so we're just looking at these five verses that were so short that we could read them twice. It's great. But in these five verses, I think we still see three ways or three parts or three aspects to opening up about our faith in Jesus. So number one, in verses two to four, we're told that opening up about our faith starts with praying for people to have opportunities to hear about Jesus. Number one, pray for opportunities. This is from verse two. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Watchful. Watchful. It's not a, not a complicated word, it just means to be alert. But in the over 20 times it comes up in the New Testament, almost every time we're being told to be watchful because Jesus is going to come back. We're being ready, alert for Jesus to come back. Paul wants us to be praying for people who don't know Jesus because there will be a time when it's too late. Right now, God is saving people all around the world. Every day. And it might not feel like it in your context at school or at uni or in your workplace, wherever you are, but there are less atheists in the world today than there were 50 years ago. Christianity specifically is growing around the world, especially in Africa, in Asia, and in Latin America. God is working in places that we have never even heard of, let alone prayed for. But for for reasons that are beyond me, As much as God can save without us, he wants to save with us. If you're a follower of Jesus, that means that God loves you and he loves to answer your prayers. And so God calls us to watchfully and thankfully pray to him to save. So are you willing to pray that through Jesus, God would save people? Here's a bold prayer you could try. God, please work through me to help people know Jesus. But notice in the passage, God doesn't just call for us to pray for our own efforts. No, Paul asks that the Colossians would pray for his efforts to share Jesus too. So even if you're looking at that prayer on the screen you're thinking, I don't really like the implications of God answering that prayer for me. Let me give you an alternative to pray. 
Try this one. God, please work through other people at St. Matt's to help others know Jesus. I know that feels like a cop-out, but please pray that prayer. How awesome would it be if God answered that prayer? If because you prayed, God was allowing other people at St. Matt's to help people know about Jesus. The end result is awesome. Pray that. That's number one. Pray for opportunities. Number two. Open up by making opportunities for people to hear about Jesus. Make opportunities. Verse 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. When Paul talks about outsiders, he's saying people that aren't inside the Colossian Christian community. So an outsider would be a not yet Christian. And how should a Christian be wise in the way they act towards a not yet Christian? Paul says they should make the most of every opportunity. Can you think of how many interactions we have every day with not yet Christians? In our homes, or on the commute, or as we stop for coffee, or in class, or in the office, or at the gym, or on your soccer team, or walking through the neighborhood, or in a meeting, or at a book club, or at a party. Like we just go on and on, right? So many interactions. But Paul doesn't just call them interactions, he calls them opportunities. He says to make the most of those opportunities. That phrase, make the most, it's also the word used elsewhere for how Jesus redeems us. Make the most means to redeem an opportunity. Instead of going through the motions of just another boring, mundane interaction with a not yet Christian, Paul encourages us to redeem that moment, to elevate it to something significant, something worthwhile. But how do we do that? Do we just start asking everyone we meet, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? Is that the way forward? And some people do that. And Steph said, yes, she has, so we're okay. All right. uh, and I admire their courage, because goodness knows I'm terrified of doing that. But I don't think that's what Paul is encouraging for everyone. I don't think that's what Paul has in mind for everyone. He says instead, let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Words that are Full of grace are words that are appealing. They're kind, they're loving, they're generous. And conversations that are seasoned with salt. That's a weird metaphor. What does that mean? Em and I went out to dinner this week. It was the day after Valentine's Day, but I'm still counting it. Uh, uh, we went to Enzo, Enzo's Kachina in Dural. Hadn't tried that before. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Would recommend. Uh, we ordered the truffle oil and parmesan fries. Yeah, some of you at 9.30, everyone's just silent. And I felt so bougie, but would recommend. You should try them. Uh, And they were good. (laughs) Not exactly what I was expecting. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it until Emily pointed out that the the fries had been salted. There was no salt on the fries, which is a pretty essential part of fries, right? Sorry, she took care of it. But (laughs) salt makes things better. Salt is flavorsome, it's appealing, it makes things better. And Paul wants us always speaking in an attractive, appealing, loving, grace-filled way to improve the quality of an otherwise boring interaction, to make it better. So what if we looked the bus driver in the eye 
and thanked him and wished him a great day when we got off? What if we were the friendliest customer that sales assistant was going to have all day? What if instead of just talking about the weather when we bumped into an acquaintance, we were a little more thoughtful, just a little more curious, and asked them something like, what's been bringing you joy lately? What if we asked a colleague or a classmate about a problem we know they've been having? What if we remembered the names of their family members and we asked after them? What if our friends wanted to come to us with their problems because we were the best listeners they know? When we think about opening up about our faith, sometimes we think it's about going from zero all the way to 100 and being super intense right away. But there's a big gap between zero and 100. We can gently, with curiosity, deepen our interactions with people. Demonstrate that we're safe and that we're kind. We can build trust. We can create a space where a spiritual conversation can feel a little bit more natural. We can make the most of every opportunity by letting our conversation be full of grace and seasoned with salt. And if we are, one, praying for opportunities, and two, lovingly interacting with the people around us, then we are going to get to number three. We're going to get genuine opportunities to have spiritual interactions. So number three, take opportunities. Verses five and six again. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Imagine, you've been praying for one of your three friends that you wrote down on the bookmark we handed out a couple of weeks ago. If you don't have them, there's still more out in the foyer. You've been praying for these friends to know Jesus. You've been praying for opportunities You've been invested in them. You've been sincerely curious about their lives. You've shown love to them. You've built trust. And we could just stop and leave it there and you'd have a pretty good relationship. That sounds like a really a worthwhile relationship to have, but that doesn't ultimately help that person to know Jesus. That person whom God has placed in your life specifically still needs to know about Jesus. Conversation that is full of grace will also sometimes involve actually directing people's minds and hearts to the grace of Jesus. Sometimes we will boldly need to take opportunities. But taking opportunities doesn't mean now we have to explain every aspect of our faith all at once. I've definitely made that mistake before. I can remember sitting in a pub with my friends and making them listen to my six-point explanation of the gospel while they just wanted to drink a beer and hang out. Taking an opportunity to open up about faith might mean sharing your own faith journey. It might mean explaining the good news. It might mean praying for someone. It might mean bringing up Jesus in a conversation. It might just mean gently nudging someone to think about spiritual questions. What I want to do is I'm going to run through a series of of sample dialogue, just like little sentences, questions you could say to someone else. And as we run through them, I just want you to think, would I ever say that? How would I change that so that I would feel more comfortable saying that? How would somebody respond if I was to ask them this kind of question or make this kind of statement? You get it? Not too complicated. Let's go with the first one. How was my weekend? That's how you would do it. You'd tilt like this and do it. Uh, great. I had a really nice time catching up with people from my church. 
hopefully not too threatening, but bold. Easier to say I just hung out at home and played Nintendo. But this gets them thinking, oh, you're a person who goes to church. Maybe they wonder why. Next one. I got this one from Bree this week. When somebody tells Bree, uh, when they make a comment about something positive in Bree's life, she's been trying to say, yeah, it's great. I'm really thankful to God for it. Just a really casual little way of bringing God into the conversation, putting something spiritual on the other person's radar. Next one. I was praying for you. How did it go? So you know they've had something that they've been worried about or something important coming up and you let them know that you were praying for them and that you're interested. And they might be a little weirded out that you prayed for them and that you mentioned it. But also probably unlikely that they're going to be that offended that you were like thinking intentionally about them. It's hard to be offended when somebody's showing genuine care. A little bolder still, next one. Can I pray for you? Or can I pray for you now? takes a bit of a risk, but again, it's coming from a place of care and love. Next one, a question. What gives you hope? My go-to lately has been asking people about joy. Safe. Everyone wants to talk about joy, right? What they enjoy. What gives you hope, I think, starts to take the conversation a bit deeper. Next one. What kind of exposure to faith did you have as you grew up? Next one. If someone wanted to approach you to talk about Jesus, how would you like to be approached? I can think of a hypothetical where you're walking through the city and you see someone with their sign and they're shouting to the people around them that they need to repent and believe and turn to Jesus Christ. And I'm I'm always conflicted because I'm like, I kind of agree. I just wouldn't go about it that way and I wish I had your courage, but you're also making me feel really uncomfortable and I don't know what to do now. And it's... You can feel that even more strongly when you're with a not yet Christian. But what if you were to say to that person, if someone wanted to approach you to talk about Jesus, how would you like to be approached? I'd be so curious to know what they would say. Next one. Would you be interested in coming to church with me this week? Or would you be interested in coming to community group with me this week? Would you be interested in coming to youth group with me this week? Next one. Would you be interested in trying Alpha, where you could explore different questions about faith? Now, if you haven't told them what Alpha is, that question would be really confusing. But let's assume you're actually having a conversation here. Uh, We've already heard Brie pitch why Alpha is such a helpful thing to do, uh, but people won't know if they're not invited. Next one. Would you be interested in reading one of the biographies of Jesus from the Bible with me? A lot of people don't know much of what's in the Bible. They have this vague understanding of Jesus. But the Bible is a really big book and it's really hard to know where to start. And a lot of people are just going to pick it up and start at Genesis 1 and hit Genesis 7 and give up. But you could walk through them through the Gospel of Mark and show some things that you lack about Jesus. Next one. Would it be okay if I shared something Jesus has been teaching me about that? Maybe you've been talking about peace or about forgiveness or about justice. And you ask for the opportunity to share a little something you've been thinking about that Jesus has been teaching you. And last one. Nope, apparently there's even more. All right. If you were asked to describe the good news that Christians are supposed to be sharing with people, how would you describe it? Give them the chance to share what they understand. Last one. Can I share with you how Jesus turned my life upside down? I want you to just notice three things. You don't need to memorize all these. You don't need to be writing these down. Just notice three things about these examples. 
First, notice that a lot of these examples are questions. Keep being curious. Taking an opportunity doesn't mean now we have to transition to monologuing at people. Keep being curious. Keep asking people questions. Jesus asked a lot of questions and he seemed pretty on the ball. Number two, notice that these questions encourage a conversation. You ask something, they say something back and then back to you to say something more. And that's where I really, really struggle. I feel like often I can, I can get away with the first to get away with. I can <laughs> fake my way through a social situation where I know how to interact with other people, uh, where I ask the first question and they say something and then my mind just goes blank. I'm like, this is awkward, Chris, say something. And now I'm thinking about how awkward it is and it's getting worse. Just say something, Chris, it's getting worse. So, so anyway, and then uh, we move on. I don't think you need to feel too bad if that happens to you as well. Would it be so bad if, in a week's time, you were to come back to that conversation with them and say, hey, remember how we were talking about such and such last week? That really stuck with me. And since then, I've just been wondering what you think about, and now you can ask your follow-up question. And worst case scenario, the kind of touch that you thought their words were worth remembering for a week. Number three, notice that every one of those statements or questions does require some boldness. And maybe you agree or disagree with how I tried to start from maybe less bold to build it up to more bold. Maybe for you, different ones of those would have been easier or harder. And that's normal. I think based on our own experiences, our own relationships, we're going to be more comfortable saying different things. I don't think you need to feel bad about thinking, oh, Chris, you lost me after like option two. After that, it got way too all those bits of boldness. God wants to use you. Even your slightest efforts towards boldness, God can use that. This week, as I've been thinking about how to open up about our faith, it occurred to me that there was actually an even more important question I had to be asking myself. Instead of just thinking about being open to others, I had to ask myself, am I willing to open up to God so that he can work through me. If God wants to save people that are in my life, if he wants them to know Jesus, am I opening my hands up to him and saying, yes, use me? Or am I actually just ready to block his attempts to bring me into the process? What about you? Are you open to God working through you? Are you open to God working through your prayers, through your curiosity, through your conversations full of grace, through your clumsy attempts to take opportunities and bring Jesus into the relationship? Because Paul is absolutely convinced that God wants to use us, however inadequate we might feel. God wants to use us just like he used other people when he saved us too. Many years after that night, the evangelist visited our home. I asked my sister if she still remembered him. And she did. She remembered him suggesting she wasn't really a Christian. She remembered how he made her cry. My memory checked out. And she also remembered something else. She remembered how two weeks later, 
she wrote in her journal that he had pushed her to a point where she had to either choose Jesus for herself or not. And she chose Jesus. God worked through the the clumsy abrasiveness of that evangelist to bring my sister closer to Jesus. Are you open to God working through you too? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you want us, that you put people in our lives to share Jesus with us. And that even if some of us haven't chosen to follow you yet, you keep chasing after us. Oh God, we pray that you would please give us the courage, the boldness, the trust to open up to you so that you can work through us too. And we pray in your mercy we would see you doing incredible things and save many people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.